This programme is made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Independence Day. Why you rap so funny? Why you sound so weird? Why you dress so awkward? You ain't from brown hair. Welcome to episode 7 of Independence Day. I travelled across the island of Ireland from Dublin to Galway, Cork, Limerick, Belfast and Sligo to interview record labels who release music away from the mainstream and some of the bands and artists on these labels. This week I was in my hometown of Galway where I met up with Googie, a promoter, DJ and owner of the Roisin Dove live venue. Googie started Strange Brew in 2002 as a club night but he's been promoting bands and putting on gigs in the city for over 20 years. I began by asking him how he started out. I started, I did, I'd always had friends and bands and things like that, but I started because I was, I ran a charity gig um, in the Keys of all places, with just after Tommy Tiernan with the Perrier and he did it, along with Guava, who were a band around the time, and a lot of other people who I absolutely escapes me right now. But that was my first time ever running a gig myself, and yeah, I was just hooked after that then. I just kind of, Resigned myself to knowing that I'd never do anything else again. So, yeah, I caught the bug then. It's been in the blood ever since in various different venues and various different guises over the years in various different cities as well. And then now 14 years as one of the owners of the Roisin Dove, which for my money, the finest uh, music venue in the west of Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what about Strange Brew then? When did that start? Strange Brew is even older than that. So Strange Brew is probably about 16 years old. Uh, yeah, 2002, Strange Brew started in the Warwick in Salt Hill. Um, it was kind of a response to not being able to go to a club playing music I liked. It was all sort of chart music or, or, or uh, house, and I just wanted somewhere where I could go and listen to Pixies, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, started out in the Warwick and then moved into the Roche when we went late night. But it was very much a labour. I remember the first night was really funny. It was like... 450 people at it or something I was like yes nailed it this is going to be easy running for the, for the next while and there was like 30 people at the second night <laughs> <laughs> which is disheartening but I, we kept going and it kind of leveled off then you know there's always ups and downs but you know it, the work held a very special place in my heart and it's sorely missed but yeah then Strange Brew moved into into the Roisin and I suppose now Strange Brew has become less of a club night and more of it's more sort of the record label and management company and the booking side of it. So I'm sorry steer away because I don't DJ at Strange Brew now. So kind of that whole Strange Brew Thursday night thing is becoming less and less of a thing where Strange Brew is more becoming a, you know the, the podcast and the bookings and the radio show and stuff like that. So it's my, And the clothing line. <laughs> <laughs> so it's become, yeah, more more about... So the bigger picture rather than just every Thursday at the Russian Dove, which, which it was for, you know, 14, 15 years. I still hear your voice when you think of the jokes that we used to have. I still sleep my side of the bed in case you're ever coming back. And we always talked about the future as if it was 
Does Googie put into breaking new bands? It's kind of a, I suppose, a little a, a contract you enter into with acts when you start working with them as a, as a promoter or as a booker or even as a manager, I guess. That's, you know, how are we going to develop this? And so when you when when I when I look at bringing a band to Strange Brew or to the Ocean Dove or something like that, it's it's not just looking at what we can do for this one show. It's maybe looking at this is what we'll do this time and this is what I'd like to do next time and maybe let's bring you back to do this. Um, you know, it's about developing, creating an audience and, and like getting them from, you know, upstairs to downstairs yeah. to supports to headline shows. You know, it's about, it's about building it. Like, there's bands that I've had, you know, 20, long, 20 year long relationships with that, have, you know, we've done shows in different venues, different cities. And it's, you know, it's nice to have someone, that, it's nice to have someone you can trust who's got your back. And uh, I know that, you know, these bands, you know, support me and they'll come here first.
Hadi Hanna is the former member of Dublin indie bands No Monster Club and Grand Pocket Orchestra. For his second solo album, Frankly I Mutate, he offered it to a load of different record labels around the country before what he describes as his Hail Mary. One day, uh, I threw out a total Hail Mary. Uh, Googie, the booker of the Roisin Dove, uh, is uh, someone whom I know and uh, was friends with. He would always have me over for gigs. I'd like send them pitiful emails saying, can you get me over for a gig? I need the money, anything, it doesn't matter. Just, just like, I mean, I played some really ropey support slots in the Roisin Dove, but he was always there for me. You know, He was always making sure I had gigs and stuff like that. So I threw out a total Hail Mary to him and said, uh, do you know anyone who'd want to put my album out? Hint, hint, you know? And like Strange Brew Records, who released the album, uh, Googie's record label, had dealt, I would say at this point, almost ex- exclusively in dance-oriented uh, music. So people like Dahi, Elaine May, uh, a lot of remixes and, and things like that. And um, I figured this not, it's not going to work out, but... Then I came down for a show and he said to me, yeah, I want to work on the album and I want to manage it. So he was, he took on the record. He believed in it. And um, that, you know, that picked me up. I suddenly became confident in what the record was when previously I felt it was a disaster. He emboldened me. He picked me up and gave me a certain degree of confidence to put the amount of passion into getting this album out as I had in making the darn thing, you know? You often forget about how much passion you put into a project when it sits on the shelf for a year. You really forget that. Things become simplified and you just think, that was a tawdry load of nonsense, wasn't it? You forget the passion, you forget the emotion. That's what time does to you. It's a deceiver and it makes fools of you. But I was very fortunate that Strange Brew came on uh, and in particular, Googie came on to basically manage the release of the record. And, um, you know, we've had a really good run of it. Now, how do you decide then? Is it just you're a fan of theirs or you get on with them as people? Or, uh, you know, how do you decide which bands you're going to champion? Was it? It's it's a mixture of everything, cause especially when you're dealing with something like the Roaching Dove. It can't just be all stuff I like. Yeah. Um, so some of the stuff that we put on I would necessarily be a fan of. But it's, you know, stuff that's going to sell well and pay for the other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and even, I mean, like, I, I can work with, stuff, with people I don't particularly get on with because, you know, you don't get on with their manager or their agent or something. So it's, it's not about that. It's, it's a combination of everything. I mean, obviously, the, the win-win situation is a band that, you know, you're close to or you're, you're friends with that have a nice manager and a nice agent and... You know, you get on very well with them. It's always fun to have them come. And then luckily, uh, there's a lot of bands like that, that that I'm fortunate enough to work with that love playing the Roaching Dove. I mean, the Roaching Dove is a special place to play. To play. You know, there's, there's something really uh, unique about the room downstairs. It's, there's uh, there's magic in the bones of it, I think. Yeah. Um, and what about the management part? So when did you decide that that's something that you want to do? Yeah, God. <laughs> I said for years I'd never get involved with it. I just felt it was a headache I didn't necessarily need but then I was actually and I, I'd never been aware of him from the TV talent shows or anything like that because I, I wouldn't watch them but I, I saw Dahi upstairs here seven or eight years ago maybe more now at this stage supporting Sleep Thieves and I sort of went oh, I think I could I think I could help here I think 
you know, I have a network of people that, you know, have developed this artist. Because I remember, I think on his, probably his MySpace page at that stage, was, this, was, was, that, was that still MySpace yeah, eight years ago? Been, been, yeah, yeah his, his bio was, I will play anywhere. <laughs> 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 and I think that was the first thing I got him to change. <laughs> noble, it was a noble thought. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then I suppose I started working with Delaine May as well, for the same reason I knew her and I loved her music. And she's an amazing person and... Uh, I just, you know, I felt that I'd be able to help there as well. So with the management side, it's much more that I'd probably need a sort of personal relationship that I really have to care about the the person that I'm working with because otherwise it's just a lot of work for not a lot of money. Folk singer Junior Brother is one of the latest signings to Strange Brew. I asked him, is it possible to make a living as an independent artist in Ireland? Well, that remains to be seen, I suppose. Hopefully it is a way of living. Because um, I'd be fairly confident, you know, in, in what I'm doing at the moment, that I could get there. But at the moment, uh, if I try to live off the music, um, I don't know, I'd probably... I have, a, I have a beard down to my uh, knees. I'd be emaciated looking, and I wouldn't be able to afford a bowl of cocoa pops. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, at the moment anyway, I, I I have a nine to five. Um, I do a bit of tour guiding, and ticket selling, which is good for because it's basically storytelling, like which is what I do anyway. Do you know? Yeah. So I'm lucky in that sense that the day job kind of feeds into the night job, but. Um, the plan is for the night job to take over yeah. uh, soon and 
I'm going to kind of work hard to make that happen. from Dahi and Elaine May or uh, not really actually I think the, the the first thing I actually released in the label was was an Elaine May EP but I would always wanted to do a record label like you know from the very from the very start um, and I just never really thought I was in the right place to give it the attention that it needed and then so the Elaine's EP was probably the first thing that I did because we'd put Dahi stuff out through it's all self-published like um, and then the first one was the Not Squares record uh, that I did sort of properly on vinyl because um, the Lame EP was on CD. Um, and yeah, I know, I mean, that, that record, Bolts by Not Squares, is a phenomenal, phenomenal album. It was 2015, but there was huge issues with the delays in the record press, the, the, the company that were pressing it. Uh, they kept telling us it would be ready in a week or two weeks, and it ended up coming out four months after the tour. Right. Which is awful, <laughs> yeah. and there was other there was other issues with it as well. So it you know it didn't go as well as I would like, but I learned a lot from it. But I'd also said, yeah, this is what this was a lot of headache, mm. and do I really need this? Yeah. And I kind of put it all on the back burner and forgot about it until uh, Keith from Slow Place Like Home basically rang me up and said that he wanted to work with me for the next album, and I said, right. oh, well, I don't know, like, <laughs> why don't you send it to me and I'll have a listen. Yeah. And he sent it to me, and I said, "Oh, yeah, okay." <laughs> and then it was more the, it was more the, oh, this is a really good record. I kind of have to do this now. Yeah. And uh, we did that album, and uh, yeah, it's a fantastic record. I'm very proud of it. 
and now I've just got just got the bug again, and it's just yeah, I'm really <laughs> I'm really into it. There's two records at least coming out next year, a few singles now before the end of this year. So the plan is to only really do digital and vinyl. Yeah. I'm going to stay away from CDs anyway. We did a cassette for the Shindig, which was nice, but no. I don't know if I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, I do the download codes with all of them, so it doesn't really, you know, a lot of people don't have the cassette players or record players. Wine and keel surgery. I learned to laugh in the face of death. Marked by noble faces The generous evil The slimy cowl On germ-flecked tons of paper I ride a wolf For hope and memory Boil my legs for supper Take only reason and light the kettle. How do you remember his nervousness when his album came out? The scariest moment for me was when the first review of the album came out. Uh, it was hot press, and I had there was a tweet or something that came out. This week we'll have reviews from Bloop Blap Bloop and Paddy Hanna. And I was like, oh, Christ. So I went to the local newsagent, Jen, in Hoth, found the hot press, and with trembling fingers, I turned the pages and found a review. And it was glowing. It was like, oh, I, my head exploded. I, it took me about a day to get over the raw nerves of reading the review for the first time. I was expecting two out of ten, you know? And uh, they said some really nice shit. And then from that point on, it was, you know... I'd be like, oh, another good review. Well, yeah, <laughs> no surprise. You've got a load of good reviews for it now, so it's kind of gratifying, you know, when you when it took so long to get it out there, and, you know, does it feel like a real achievement? There's a certain degree of... Like, if, if, if it had been an easy ride putting this record out, would it have been as fun as suffering through that amount of time trying 
and being rejected over and over again, then having it put out and having it really well received. I mean, at the time, I'd have told you absolutely not. Can we please put it out now? But in hindsight, it's a really, really wonderful thing. And also, I stuck with it. I didn't give up. And, you know, you always got to put a little stripe on yourself when you don't give up. brother tells me how important it is to him to sing in his own accent. Like I've always said, I wouldn't be against anyone who like sings in different accents, as long as it's coming from themselves, in a way, you know. It's singing at the end of the day, it's not talking, like, you know. So, if you sing in a different accent and you're still expressing yourself, that's grand, like, you know. But it's just singing in my own accent is the way I express myself. And um, I just, I made a bit of a conscious decision to do that very, very early on when I was very, very young, 10 or 11, like, or so, maybe even a bit younger. Um, and, I, yeah, it just there seemed like no other way of singing for me then from that, personally. Um, and then um, when I started doing the stuff, the Junior Brother stuff I'm doing now, and the music started going that way, um, you know, influenced more by my environment, where I come from and stuff, then it was just... Obviously, I'd sing in my own accent then, which I was already doing anyway. But it became more pronounced then, and it just became... It's just a personal thing to me, the way I, I express myself. And it, I think it lends... It's, it makes sense as well. It just so happens to make sense with the music I play as well, and how I sing. Googie thinks that streaming can be helpful to bands. If you're if streaming, I suppose, is the people are always giving out about it, but if you look at someone like Dermot Kennedy, who basically broke the US on the back of his Spotify streaming and having released no album or anything and he's he's just oh, he's off again on this but gazillions tour of North America in the last few years um, so Spotify is, is is a brilliant tool for artists looking for exposure if it's used in the right way or if you've got the right songs to get onto these playlists I mean that's a huge Spotify you know success story there so I don't necessarily think that that's the, the big bug there um, I think that, I think that used right Spotify can be an invaluable 
help to you, especially if you look at it, that maybe we're not really looking to make money out of selling records, we're looking to money, make money out of touring, and the records are more like a, like a luxury a luxury item that you'd buy at a merch table as opposed to buying a t-shirt, uh, which is who's kind of where it's going, I think. So, I mean, if you're, if you're selling records and you don't bring them with you to every show, you're doing something wrong, I think. The indie music scene in Ireland is in good condition, according to Googie. I think I've said this every year for the last four or five or six years. It's better than it's ever been, which is which is great to be able to continue and say. I mean, it's obviously the same. The, the charts are always going to be dominated by the bigger acts, and you know the big gigs are always going to sell out really quick. But the the network that bands have built up amongst each other in Ireland is great. You know, there's su- such support. It's like a, it's almost like a total national scene now. I mean, you've got your pockets and everything, but there's great like Out of Limerick are always fantastic uh, label in Limerick, and then there's Pizza Pizza and Dundalk who've got some fantastic stuff coming out with the likes of Just Mustard and uh, that phenomenal record from Elephant. Popical Island every now and then when they put out stuff. I'm not sure if they're still doing things though, but the, yeah, the, I mean the, the the quality of Irish music is exceptionally good at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of great little labels starting up because it's, it's easier now to have a label than ever before, even, especially if you're not doing physical product. You can just, or you can just self-release. And even, even distribution digitally is, is better than it's ever been and easier than it's ever been. So you can actually get stuff to people with very little or no expense. Thanks to Googie and Strange Brew acts Paddy Hanna and Junior Brother for their time. We also heard music from Dahi and Elaine May in the show. Strangebrew.ie is where you'll find all of them and the usual other places Facebook, Twitter, Bandcamp Thank you for listening and next week we'll turn our attention to sound art and the Dublin label Farpoint Recordings This programme is funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee and it's produced by me, Alan Meany Indie, rock and alternative 2XM